Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Psalms, a fresh look at Psalms 23, and uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and a great passage of Scripture of hope. So if you'll turn to book of Psalms 23, we want you to know that our prayer line's available for you tonight. Uh, feel free to give us a call if you need prayer anytime at 812-265-5683. We'd be happy to pray with you. We have people that are willing to man the phones there um, and watch uh, and help pray for you. You know, um, Psalms 23, I want to read a verse of scripture. We've been going verse by verse on this and uh, in this passage and uh, um, talking about Psalms 23, talking about the good shepherd, Christ as our shepherd, and uh, the theme of uh, the book of our Psalms 23 that we've been, we've been in is that we have been talking that we are, are not going to be paralyzed by fear but we're going to be empowered by hope. And that's what this psalm gives us, understanding that the shepherd, the good shepherd, watches and cares over us. I want us to pay attention to Psalm uh, 23. And uh, actually, let's begin in verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. Last week, we talked about he restores my soul. We talked about restoration. And I want to talk about the last part of verse 3 tonight. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, actually, in the, in the new, if you have the New King James or if you have the King James, it says he leads me in paths of righteousness. But if you have some other translations, some may say he guides me in paths of righteousness. And, uh, or your translation may say, he leads me in right paths. And so the word there really is guidance. Uh, in verse 2, you see that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. The word here in verse 3, the, the latter part of verse 3, is it says he leadeth me, but it really the word is he guides me. And there are two different words. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, how different those words are. But he does lead us in the paths of righteousness. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. You know, uh, back in 1989, there was an interesting event that kind of changed part of the world. Uh, over in, Be- Be- in China, uh, there was a, uh, uh, an event that happened in 1989, of June of 1989, it was the uh, massacre of Tiananmen Square. And uh, Joel Stahl, who is a great preacher, writer, former president of Moody College, uh, uh, he tells the story of, of talking to a young Chinese student and, uh, and his wife uh, who was there, who escaped out of uh, China, uh, who, who escaped out of there. And this young Chinese uh, who was there uh, he talked to him about the experience that he had uh, in Tiananmen Square in 1989. And what we learned was later is that thousands were slaughtered there in that event in Tiananmen Square in 1989. The students said all of their hope and trust was in the fact that they were going to take over the nation. The whole protest that broke out on Tiananmen Square in April of that year uh, was about... 
uh, bringing China into a, a democratic society. And this Chinese student said that he was a part of that, and that was their goal, was to make China a democratic place. And he said when those Chinese troops began to kill and to put down that rebellion, he said that it began to take away, he could physically feel uh, the taking away of dream, his dream, vision, and hope uh, for thousands and uh, of Chinese um, by, uh, by the thousands after the Tiananmen Square, there was thousands that were killed. We're not sure the number of how many, but um, he began to say that not only were there those that were massacred there uh, in, the, in the event, but also there were thousands of Chinese young students that began to commit suicide uh, after that event because of the loss of a dream or the loss of the dream and a sense of hopelessness in their life. They felt like there was nothing to live for. This Chinese student talked about how having the feelings of nothing to live for. There's no purpose in life. There was an aimlessness in life, and there was an aimlessness that they felt in direction. And they felt like they had no aim. They had no purpose. They had no, no dream now, nothing to live for, nothing to stand for anymore. And when we come to Psalm 23 and Verse 3, this part of the verse, David talks about this very thing. He talks about purpose and aimlessness, having to deal with an aimlessness in our lives. Now, what's interesting about the book of Psalms, I had not, at uh, the beginning of this uh, series, I did not tell you that the book of Psalms has 150 psalms in it. Matter of fact, the Psalter, the Psalms, is broken down into what is called five books of poetry. That were brought together. Of course, Ezra put these together. He didn't put them together in chronological order, but he did put them together by books. So Psalms 1 through 141 is the first book. And so there's five books throughout the Psalms. The last book of the Psalms, the fifth book, begins in Psalm 107 to the end of the book. And it carries the theme, most of the theme of Psalm 107 to the end of the book of Psalms carries the theme of praise and worship. Each of the five books of the Psalter or of the Psalm carries a theme. There's a central ideal in each book. Each book carries a, a, a central theme or a topic or you could say a thesis or, or, or you could say a certain topic that you see roving through each of these five books of the Psalms. But here in Psalms 23, I found that in verse 3, as we go through there, these, there are two words that, that talk here about the guidance of the shepherd, how the guidance guides us, how the Lord leads us. The guidance of God in our life will, uh, will end any sense. If you let God guide your life, if you let the shepherd guide your life, it will end any sense of having no purpose or aim in your life. In other words, when the shepherd is our guide, he will lead us, the scripture tells us, in paths of righteousness. And there, there will be, uh, uh, the, in other words, that right being led by him, he will lead us in the right paths and will give our lives a direction and an aim and a purpose in life. So tonight in the Bible study, I want to talk a little bit about guidance, how God leads us. 
And I just want to talk a little bit from my own life and talk a little bit and just be laid back tonight and just share the word and let you, let God speak to you through the word and just share some things to you with you that I've learned about guidance in my life. And you can take these things and talk a little bit about how God does lead. How do we find purpose? How do we get rid of a sense of non-purpose or aimlessness in our life. How do we deal? Well, one way is we allow to let the shepherd to lead us and guide us. And how does he do that? Well, we're going to, you know, that Chinese student that, uh, uh, that Joel Stoll talked about, that he talked about, that felt the sense of hopelessness. And uh, he asked the student, and talking to the student, uh, he asked the student why the student didn't take his own life. That Chinese student told him that the only reason that he didn't take his life was because he went to visit a professor that he had at the university that, that uh, uh, taught English. And he said that the professor was a born-again Christian. And they used to make fun of the guy because he was a Christian, uh, because he loved God. They used to uh, uh, you know, uh, make fun of him. But he said, I went back to see him, and, uh, and I wanted to talk to him. And when he went back to see him, that professor ended up leading that Chinese student to the Lord. And it, it was an amazing thing. He said, that kept me from my own self from committing suicide. Now, what's the amazing thing about that? As the student said, I went on to graduate uh, from college. I became a professor myself. And the Chinese student became a professor. And he got a job at a different university. And he began to ask God, God, how can you use me in this hour? And I live in a nation that is a closed society. I live in a nation that frowns on Christianity, uh, that, and, and I live in a nation that's hostile towards God, and he began to ask the Lord how he can be used in his nation. Well, as a professor of his university, what he began to do, he began to rent out hotel rooms on the weekend, and he began to invite some of his students to that hotel room to gather for small gatherings and parties that he would have. He would get up and begin to share his testimony, and he would begin to share what Jesus Christ had done in his life and how Christ had changed his life. And he said that as I would begin to share, I could feel the presence of God come on those students. Many of those students would give their life to Jesus, and after they gave their life to Jesus, when he would have future meetings, he would have those students get up and share what Jesus was doing in their life. He said for a long time, there was this period of these students that were gathering, and he could feel a sense of purpose and hope being birthed back into these students. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he's felt like God has given me purpose. And he said what they began to do, they began to fill the, bat the uh, bathrooms, the bathtubs, up with water, and they began to baptize uh, these young people. They began to baptize them in the tubs, and, uh, and began to share, and Joel Stoll asked him, said, how could this be living in a closed society? How did you not, not get caught? And he said, he said, well, I had a fearlessness because after Tedman Square, there was this sense of hopelessness in my life, and my only hope I learned was in Christ. He said, I learned that, that uh, what we need to know is that God is always working behind the scenes in our life and leading us and guiding us in ways that we do not see. The truth is tonight that a lot of times we, God is guiding us. God is working behind the scene. And little did that Chinese student know that the purpose of God was always working. And when he learned to trust in God, instead of the joining many other students that committed suicide, 
all of a sudden, God began to lead him and to guide him and to build purpose in his life. What you need to know tonight and what I need to know tonight is what we need to know is that God is working behind the scenes and sometimes he's working in a way that we, that we, we cannot even see God working. You know, I, I recently was ready, reading in Numbers 22 and I was reading of the narrative. Some of you know the story of Balaam and uh, he was hired to curse Israel by a king and he was to go out and he was to speak curses over Israel, but every time he went out to speak a curse over Israel, blessing would come out of his mouth. And so the king began to get frustrated and mad at Balaam because every time he would open his mouth uh, through the, the, the entire narrative, which is one of the longest narratives in all scripture uh, in, uh, in Numbers 22, Balaam would speak blessing over Israel. In other words, he would speak and the blessing of God would come on upon Israel. But what's interesting is that while this whole thing is going on, Israel did not know and realize what was happening, that God was behind the scenes blessing them, taking care of them, and they really didn't even know it was going on. Do you know sometimes, even without you knowing, God is guiding your life without your life even being known, it's being guided. You can look back years later and realize that even beyond what you knew, while you were going through something, God was already working and working and orchestrating your life. Some of us that are listening tonight, and some of you that have been struggling to find meaning and purpose and direction, and, uh, and you don't necessarily see what God is doing, I'm here to tell you, God, the good news is, I believe that behind the scenes, God is working for you, even when you don't see it, or even when you don't know that it's happening, God is working behind the scenes on your behalf, and he's working for you and not against you. But as I begin to read this psalm and I begin to study and look about guidance and begin to think about guidance in my own life, I thought to myself, God, what are the reasons why, or at times, why I've not picked up on the guidance of God? Sometimes we miss the guidance of God. Sometimes we sense that we've missed God's guidance in some way, or, or that somehow, uh, you know, how do we, why do we miss God's guidance? How is it that sometimes God wants to lead us, but we can't be led, or we don't feel like any leading is going on? And, uh, uh, and, and I want to give you just a few reasons why we miss the guidance of God in our life. Number one, we miss the guidance of God because we often question God's intention for our lives. Now, we don't come out and say that we don't believe God doesn't know what's best for us, and nobody's going to stand up and say that. But sometimes our actions in response to God, we don't believe that he is in, in guidance of our life. In other words, we question God's intention when he leads our life. In other words, we get to the place because in his guidance, he requires certain things in order for us to be led. In other words, a lot of times we miss God's guidance because we're not willing to do what it takes in order to be led or in order for him to continue to lead us. In other words, God says, I want to lead your life, but in order to lead your life, you've got to understand that I don't need part of you, I need all of you. 
And so God will require things from us. And the reason why we miss his guidance is because at times we don't believe and we question God's intention. And the truth is we're only half in. We're part the way in. We're not all the way in. We give God a certain part of our life, but we don't give God all of our life. Because when God guides us, he requires our time, he requires our commitment, he requires our, he puts fingers on areas of our life in order to be led, and, and, and sometimes he leads us to places we don't want to go, or he asks us to do things that we really don't want to do because it requires us to change our friends, or to change our life, or to change our habits or to give up things in order to be faithful. And so we miss the guidance of God because we're always questioning God's intention for our life. In other words, we feel we can lead our lives better than God can. I love what Job said in Job chapter 13. He said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Now that's somebody that can be led by God. Job said, though I be slain, my hope is still in him. He wasn't questioning God's guidance in his life, where he was leading us, and the question, and we question God's intention, and what we do, we have to learn that in order to be guided by God and to find guidance in our life, we have to embrace what God requires of us. Are you willing to embrace what God requires? Are you willing to be all in? Are you willing to let God lead you? And the reason why there's aimlessness and hopelessness and the reason why there's a lack of a sense of purpose in our life all goes back to whether or not we question the intention of the leading of God in our lives. I'm just telling you from experience. These are things that I've experienced in my own life. There are times when I've missed the leading and the guidance of God in a certain area because I have questioned God's intention and how he has led me. And sometimes we lose that. We have to be just like Job and say, I'm all in. Though they, he may slay me, I will hope in him. How many are thankful tonight that God could lead us, that his intention, we have to embrace everything that God requires in our life. Number two, we miss out on the guidance of God. Number two, because we believe we, mean, we need more than what God can provide for us. In other words, sometimes we miss the guidance of God because we feel like we need more than what God has provided for us. You know, as uh, raising teenagers and being a teenager at one time, you know, we think we want, uh, we don't, uh, uh, we think that we're going to miss out on an experience, and 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 we think we we don't. We're not led, we won't experience the fullness of life if we let God lead our life. In other words, we feel like we won't be completely provided for if we let God lead our life. In other words, we want the lead because we want to control what's provided for in our life. And we have to believe that we can't, we can't miss the guidance of God because, because we need more then because we believe we need more than what God has provided for us. I'm here to tell you that what God provides for us, God uh, it knows what our needs are in our lives, and he perfectly provides for our life. You know, God just doesn't give us crumbs. God just doesn't dribble out things to our life. I've had to learn over the years, God is not one that rations, and God is not one that just gives us crumbs. 
What a distorted view of the Father who gave his all on Calvary for us. Why would he give his all on Calvary for us and not provide everything we need in order to be guided into what he wants to lead us to in our life? In other words, we always believe, if we have the mentality that we're always, God does never has provided enough for us, you will never find the purpose in God because you will always feel a disingenuousness towards the things of God because you felt like God has left you out. We have to stop comparing ourselves with one another. The Bible says it's not wise to compare ourselves with one another, but we have to understand that the leading of God's guidance in our life, we have to understand that God will provide everything that we need in order to fulfill everything that he has called us together. If you'll look over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and if you'll turn over there, I want to read a passage of scripture to you there in Ephesians. And uh, uh, to explain this and give you an explanation or at least show you how God feels about his provision for our life. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, the Bible says that uh, actually go back and let's read uh, verse 4. But God, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, verse 4, chapter 2, even, verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ by the grace which you have been saved. We know that. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. In other words, we sit together in heavenly places with Christ. Verse 7, this is the verse I want you to see, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. In other words, what's it saying? The one translation says that God provides everything for us. Why? He provides for us that he may hold us up as an example of his goodness. In other words, God's not going to let his children not be provided for. He is not going to not ask his children to do something that God is not going to provide what needs to be provided in order for us to fulfill what God has done. You know what that scripture is telling you? That scripture is telling you that you are an example of God's goodness. That God's riches being poured out on your life, his provision on your life, is to raise you up to a point to where you become an example of God's goodness so that others can look at you and you can say, hey, God has seated me in heavenly places with my Father, with Jesus. He has richly blessed me and my life is now an example of the goodness of God and I refuse to not be led or guided because I refuse to believe that God has not provided enough for me in order to do and to be guided in my life. God's provided for you. He goes on in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You know what that tells us? It tells us that God will do more than what you expected. God will provide more than what you expected. God is not a miser. Great responsibility comes with the goodness of God. In other words, God, in other words, he, he, he crowns you, puts on you the riches of his grace on your life. He raises you up so that you can be an example of his goodness in your life. 
And so God works behind the scenes. We see God working behind the scene. We see that God guides us and uh, leads us just like through the whole time. Even though that Chinese student was lost, God was leading that Chinese student the whole time. God was in the guidance of his life. If you will be open to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you and direct you in your life. But I'm here to tell you, God has much more for you than what you've ever than what you believe that God can do. Also, I, I want to show you tonight. So let's talk about it. The first thing is, number one, we have to know this. The determination of self-direction brings aimlessness to our life. So determination, the determination of self-direction brings an aimlessness to our life. When I'm determined that I'm going to set my own self-direction, um, and inside myself, then what happens is we lose a sense of purpose and direction, and we lose a sense of guidance in our life. In other words, when we say that I'm going to direct my own life, that I'm going to be in control of everything that happens, when we have a sense or determined to self-direct our lives, it brings an aimlessness. Because self-direction in our life only leads us to dead ends in our life. Only God and the Holy Spirit knows how to lead us where we need to be led in order for fulfillment. And I want to show you that in the passage here. The Bible tells us in verse 3 that he guides, he leads, he guides us. And it says, uh, 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 in other words, uh, I will be determined that it's God that guides me. I'm not going to let myself lead me. I'm going to let God lead me. Verse 2 said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he restores my soul. He maketh me to lie down. And it says, and he guideth, he leads me, he will lead me, he will guide me. Now, I want you to see something here. In the New King James, in verse 2, you have the word leadeth, and in verse 3, you have the word leadeth, but they're two different words. They come from two different Greek root words, and they have two different meanings. In verse 2... Of, of Psalms 23, it tells us this. It says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, the root word there means that he leads us uh, with the idea of a destination in mind. In other words, that he leads beside still waters. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me to a destination. You know, that passage of scripture, as we talked about last week, had a lot to do with the determination of allowing the Lord and submission to the Lord. There's a destination in mind here. There is the destination of being led to a specific place. Where is he specifically being led? Besides still waters. It's a place of protection. It's a place that we talked about, a place of provision. It's a place where God uh, provides for us. It's a supernatural place for the provision of God. It's a destination. He leadeth me there. He maketh me. In other words, in other words, it's a submission thing. We have to be willing to be led. But here in verse 3, it says, he leadeth me or he guides me. The word is different. The word here means a process in mind. It means to walk alongside throughout is what it means. In other words, uh, he led me to a destination. That's where I found my provision. That's where I found my protection. 
but here he guideth me, which means it's the process of God always leading and God always providing for us, or God always walking alongside us, or being with us. That's what the word means. Now I want you to see the process here. God says in order for you to be led or guided, you first have to learn how to be led beside still waters. In other words, you first have to be learned to trust the provision of God, trust where God lays you, the place of his will, and when you find the place of his will, then God guides you in paths of righteousness. In other words, you can't be guided until first you allow the Lord to lead. If he can't lead you, then he won't guide you. If he can't, if he can't lead you to his will, then you will not, not, can't be guided in his will. It's one thing for God to lead us to his will, but you have to be guided while you're there. In other words, let me give you an example. God led me to River Valley Community Church. But this is the place that God, this is his will for my life. So he leads us to a place But what good is being led to a place if when you get there, you can't be guided in paths of righteousness once you get there? And the thing is, the reason people lose aimlessness and direction in their life, they may have a sense of God's will for their life, and they may be able to get to certain places in God's will, but when they get there, they do not let God lead them once they're there. Now what do I do once I'm there? What do I do now that once that I'm there? The book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 13, the Bible says, uh, Moses talks about it. He said, thou hast guided them. In other words, God had guided them. He led them. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, the Lord will continually guide you. In other words, that word continually means, it means it's ongoing. In other words, God in other words, God does not stop leading. He does not stop guiding. He's always beside. He's always guiding us. It doesn't stop. He continually guides us and continually leads us in the right paths. In other words, God, and it's an interesting word here. And when we talk about this and they talk about the shepherd, this word here, guidance, is in what's called a passive verb. In other words, what it means is, that it's a passive verb because it leads, it leads to the point of your willingness to go. In other words, what it means is it's one thing for God to try to lead us, but if we're not willing to be led, then God can't take us. It has to do with our will, our willingness to be led and our willingness to go. In other words, God doesn't violate the free will. You remember the story of the prodigal son? And the Bible says that, that, that God, and, and he picked up on his guidance, in other words, when the prodigal son came to himself, he returned to the father's house. But listen to this. The prodigal son uh, was never beyond the father's love, but he was beyond the father's care. And the thing is, is that you can be out of the will of God, and God, you can be out of, you can be out of the guidance of God. You're never out of God's love, but you can be out of his care. Unwillingness to be guided and an aimlessness it will put you in the place, in other words, but God never, he, he always loves us. He's always underneath his care. We're always underneath his care for our lives. We're always underneath what he has, what he has led us to and what he continues to lead us to in our lives. So I want to talk about tonight 
And so we talked about the first two. We often question God's guidance in our lives. Uh, uh, Two, we believe that we need more than what God can provide. Number three, we we, uh, don't pick up on the guidance of God. Number three, because we have divided loyalties in our lives. Other things that take our attention, that we give our life to. In other words, uh, uh, in other words, our loyalties to somewhere else. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. In other words, he will not just guide you with just 90% of your life. He only guides you when you have given everything to him and we have to release everything into his hands, everything into his guidance. We have to understand that our loyalty is to him. Our loyalty is to his guidance in our life and his leading into our lives. In other words, we have to be totally sold out to him. And uh, and in other words, God will lead us. Number four, we try to conform God to our own image. In other words, we don't pick up on the guidance of God because we conform God to our image in the church. We think that there's only one particular way God can work, and that's it. In other words, God can only work in this way, that God can only work on how I have learned that God about God. In other words, the Pharisees were like this. They were trained in the law. And so when Jesus came and in the first century, in other words, uh, they, they could not understand the methods in which Jesus used and how Jesus ministered. And, and they didn't recognize who he was because they had put God in a box. In other words, they had conformed God to their own image. And sometimes we miss the guidance of God because we preconceive a notion of who God is and how he operates in our life. In other words, uh, 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 Nicodemus said to Jesus, he said, we know you are a prophet that you have come from God. In other words, what he was saying was, was this. He was saying, we know you have come from God, but you don't fit into the system in which that I'm in. And what happens is we get locked into a religious system. We get locked into a mindset. We get locked into a way that we feel like God is locked into a box. We're raised a certain way or we're raised a certain mentality. And we think that God cannot work outside of that. I'm telling you that you will miss the guidance of God if you will try to make God a Baptist God, if you'll try to make him a Methodist God or a Presbyterian God or a Pentecostal only God. I'm telling you that the way you pick up on the guidance of God is that you don't conform him to the smallness of the image in which the prism by which you have learned God. You have to understand that God is bigger than who you are. God is bigger than what we are. And when God leads us, he will lead us to do things that are outside of what we know or outside of the guidance of our life, but we know that he's leading. You know, I can say this because I've learned this in my life. In other words, I've learned not to conform God. You know, in 1994, uh, in July of 1994, there was a revival that hit our home church. It's a very powerful move of God. And in the course of a year, the first year of that revival, God was doing a powerful thing in our life. The Spirit of God was moving. There was powerful manifestations in the Spirit. 
We saw incredible healings. Uh, we saw one young lady in our church that was depressed, that was having shock treatments, that her, she was uh, wearing casts on her legs. We saw God totally deliver her and heal her. We saw many signs and wonders that happened during that time. And it was, it was a time of watching the miraculous happen. And as well as seeing many come to Christ, as well as seeing God do works in many lives during that season. But what was interesting, that during that time, though I, that home church that I was in, we were in a spirit-filled church. The Lord opened the door for me to go into a denominational church, a denominational church that didn't necessarily believe the whole doctrine of being spirit-filled, but that's what, how the Lord led me. God gave me great favor in that, and for 13 years, uh, I led that way and pastored that way and led into that way. God led me that way. But little did I know by God's leading, if I had put God in a box and said, God, you're not going to lead me there, I'm not going to pastor there, I'm not going to pastor this or that, or I'm not going to go here or there, I, I had to, we have to understand that sometimes the leading of God is far outside the box of what we believe God is. We try to conform him to what we want. To, and many of you won't say to, yes to God because God has to do it the way you want him to do it. I'm here to tell you that if you want purpose, you have to understand that God's guidance is not going to conform to what you think God is. God will lead you. It's your decision whether or not you will walk underneath that guidance or not. In other words, are you going to live by tradition? Are you going to live by what, was, what you feel like God is and what your image of God is? I'm here to tell you God is far beyond what we could ever put him in a box. And so the guiding and leadings of God, we have to understand we cannot conform God to our image. Number five, we have to understand that we don't pick up on the, on, on the guidance of God because we resist God's correction in our life. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12 tells us, For whom the Lord loveth, he reproaches, or he corrects, even as a father to a son whom he delights. The disciple of God in his love toward us. In other words, when we resist his discipline, God can't guide us. And if we continue to resist his and resist, uh, continue to resist, what happens is what happens is we live in the judgment of that resistance of being led by God. In other words, uh, God wants to lead us and guide us. But a lot of times we resist God when he begins to correct us. And we have to be careful because if we don't yield to the correcting of God in our lives, what will happen is the result of that area which is not yielded to God that he is correcting, you will fall into the consequence of whatever area that is. If God is correcting you in a specific area and you refuse to change, the grace of God will eventually run out. And then you will have to suffer the consequence of walking in the resistance of that area or whatever that area is in your life. You know, I was thinking about this today and I was thinking about, you know, sometimes the, the, the result of not responding to the correction of God can be very devastating to our life. It can almost disqualify you from the purpose of God. Not letting God correct our lives will disqualify you from stepping in to God's purpose in your life. By not allowing God to bring discipline or to correct your life, 
will bring a judgment. I was thinking about this today. I remember, now my mother used to be the disciplinarian of our home. And a lot of times, many of the spankings I got as a younger kid came from my mom. And believe me, she was nothing to shake a stick at. She would wear you out. But I noticed that when I got older, and as I got older, that even though she still spanked me, it didn't have the same effect as it did when I was younger. And so I remember one of the last whippings that I got, and uh, I won't tell you the circumstances, but the last whipping that I got from her, it was just kind of like you knew you were being whipped, but it didn't have the same effect as it did when I was younger. And I remember her saying to us, well, you just wait till your dad gets home, because when your dad gets home, then you're really going to get it. And my dad did not you know, whip us very much, but when he did, he laid it into us. And so I knew that she was trying to correct me and bring correction to my life, but my lack of response to that correction forced my father to get involved, which means that the judgment of what happened was coming upon me. That's exactly what God does. He'll send his Holy Spirit. He'll use his bride to bring correction to our lives. And when we don't respond, then the Father himself gets involved. And what happens is sometimes because we refuse the guidance of God, we have to be turned over to the very thing he's trying to correct us in. And it may disqualify us for a season in our life. I only tell you that because I know that personally. I know what God, how God deals with us. And if we don't respond, what happens when God begins to correct and change our lives? Number six, we have to understand that why we don't pick up on the guidance of God. Number six, we eliminate all righteous reminders in our life. In other words, we miss the guidance of God because we refuse or we uh, eliminate everything that reminds us of God's guidance. In other words, we remove those things that remind us that our lifestyle, our sin in our life has a consequence in our life. In other words, in other words, when, when we begin to remove those things in our life that gives us guidance, when we stop going to church, when we stop praying, when we stop our devotion life and our discipleship life, when we stop fellowshipping and we stop uh, pulling ourselves away from the body of Christ because we don't want a righteous reminder. And when we begin to turn our lives over to things that are sinful and we begin to live a life that is yielded to sin, we sometimes come to the place where we don't want righteous reminders of that. Many times when people stop coming to church, it's because there's a righteous reminder that's reminding them that somewhere in their life, in order for them to be led or guided by God, they've got to deal with that thing in their life. But when we say God, uh, when we ask God to take it away, when we ask God in order to, to, to uh, bring those areas into our life into check, when we yield those things to him, when we give him the self-direction, he will guide us and lead us when we begin to yield to the righteous reminders that he brings into our life. <coughs> God will remind us of the areas of our life that need to be corrected and guide us and lead us into a place. So we have to understand, number one, determination of self-direction brings aimlessness in our life. We miss the direction of God. Those are the reasons we miss the direction of God. Number two, I want to end with this tonight and close with this tonight, that dedication to divine direction 
solves the aimlessness in our lives. Now, I want you to see here in this verse, it says here, it says, for he leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, the Hebrew word there is the word we get the word tracks from. In other words, uh, he leads us in paths. Now, what are paths? Paths are traces, are tracks of that there's been some that have traveled that path. So what's that mean? Are there paths of purity? There sure is. God leads us in paths of purity. Is there paths of morality? Yes, God leads us in paths of morality. Is there paths of holiness? Yes, God leads us in paths of holiness. God directs us and leads us and leads us there in those places. Now what is meaning here and what David is talking about Palestine shepherds would take their flocks and lead them, and they would, as they would lead them, there would be all of these different paths that, uh, uh, that are, are there in those mountains. As they lead through those valleys and lead through those mountains, the Palestinian shepherd is leading his flock. He is able, the shepherd is able to recognize what types of paths are safe and what types of paths are not. A sheep does not have the ability to discern what path he goes on. Matter of fact, a sheep that gets lost or strayed off or walks astray, he doesn't care what path that is. Matter of fact, in Israel, there are paths that uh, are made by people. There are paths that are made by camels. There are paths that are made by predators. There are paths that are made by uh, lions and mountain lions and paths that are made by bears. And so a sheep has no idea what path he's wandered on. He has to be led by the shepherd. The shepherd by the tracks knows what path that sheep should go down. And what does he do? He leads them in paths of righteousness. In other words, if you want guidance in your life, you've got to trust that the shepherd is leading you down paths that are right in your life. How many know God will never do you wrong when he's leading you? God guides me through the right paths of my, of, my, of my life. Sheep aren't like a dog. They don't have the sense to know what's been on that path. Only the sheep, only shepherds can lead them. That's why sheep must have a shepherd so they don't go down paths that end up in the jaws of a predator or they end up going off of a cliff or they end up getting stuck in a valley and die. This is why you need a shepherd. This is why you need a pastor. This is why you need a spiritual leader in your life. Because as a sheep, you have no idea how to determine the paths in your life. God will show you the paths of your life. If you will be willing to let God lead your life, he will show you what paths lead you into righteousness. Psalm 77, the Bible tells us in verse 19, the psalmist looks back at God's mighty deeds in this passage of scripture. And he talks about the mighty works of God. And he talks about God, you knew the roadways in the sea. What was God saying? God was saying, listen, God knows the roadways and he knows the pathways that can't be seen by the natural eye. He can only know the pathways that are seen by the unseen eye. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit knows what paths to lead you down. God knows what way to lead you, and even though you may not see that there's a pathway there, God will make a way where it seems to be no way in your life. He will lead you and guide you into those places 
of his pathway. And so as we close tonight, I'm going to just mention to you three or four ways, really quickly, how you can lock into the guidance of God. Number one, you lock into the guidance of God through his word. That's the easiest and the most profound direction is to guide his word. How to live. We learn how to live through his word. We learn how to talk through his word. We learn how to treat our wives through his word. We learn how to be a father through his word. We learn how to fellowship with brothers and sisters through his word. Number two, we are led by the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is the helper that leads us into all truth and who, who proceeds, that pro- proceeds from the Father. In other words, in Isaiah or in John 15, 26, it says God has given us the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father, who leads and guides us into all truth, and he knows the paths in which we to go. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit in order to find guidance. As you read his word, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you lead and lead you in guidance. How many of you have ever been nudged by the Holy Spirit? Years ago when I was working with the youth ministry, years ago when I first got saved and we were going into cities and we were holding these crusades, and uh, what we would do in our youth group is that we would, we would go down into these cities. And I remember going down into Louisville, uh, down below Louisville, down into parts of Kentucky there, just beyond Louisville, just south of Louisville. And uh, we were going into a city to do a crusade. And so we took a bus of youth group people, and we were just going to have a meeting that night in a church, in a house. There was a house that was being used as a fellowship or a church fellowship. And so we went down and tried to find as many young people as we could to come to this Bible study and this church meeting that was being held in the house that night. And, a, and the pastor of that church, it was just beginning, he was just starting the church, and his name was Norman Cox. And so our youth group went down to outside Louisville there uh, where he was, and we went in, and all of a sudden we began to walk the streets and knock the doors and, and ask for young people and ask for people to come to church that night. We had no idea. Now, it's hard to do that today, but back then, back in, in 1988, 1989, 1990, you could do things like that. And, uh, and so we walked into this neighborhood, and I was with uh, another youth leader uh, that was with me. We were two by two. And we walked into this area, and we could not find anybody. Every door we knocked on, people slammed the door in our face. We couldn't find people in the neighborhood or anything. So we got to the corner of this one street. We're in the middle of this neighborhood. And, and, and I turned to her, and I said, let's just pray. And so we turned, and we prayed, and we said, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will lead us to young people. We pray you will lead us to people that will come to this service tonight. We pray that you will lead us and guide us to this place. And so, and so uh, uh, we got done praying, and we walked down, and we walked around the next corner. And then when we came around the next corner, all of a sudden we heard this huge roar. And it was like a sound, of uh, just a, a thunderous sound. And we looked over, and we saw this elementary school that was there. And at the elementary school, there was a basketball game that was going on at the time. And so we decided we were just going to say, hey, there's got to be a bunch of young people and people in that, in that basketball game. And we'll just start and we'll go in and start inviting people to church. Well, right when we got up to the doors, the double doors opened. We heard this, uh, si- the uh, buzzer go off of the game. And as the game ended, people began to pile out of that gym. And we were grabbing people left and right. 
and telling them about the meaning we had. And we had giveaways and stuff. And would you believe that we gathered a whole busload of people from that gym that brought them to the meeting and, and some of them even gave their life to Jesus. What am I telling? I'm telling you that if you will let the Holy Spirit lead you, he knows how to lead you in the paths of righteousness. He knows where the perfect will is and what path it is to take. Some of you tonight have areas of prayer where you're asking Lord for direction in your life. You're asking the Lord, what direction should I take? Should I sell my house? Should I go here? Should I take this job? Should I, should I, should I, uh, some of you teenagers or some of you young people, you decide, should I date this person or should I do that or should I do this? I'm here to tell you that if you'll trust God's word and trust the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you. Number three, godly counsel. Godly counsel will help bring guidance into your life. Proverbs 24, 6 says, by wisdom and in the abundance of counselors, there's many victors. In other words, there are many victories in the, in the, in the counseling of those that counsel. Now listen, there are people who think they're counselors and they're not counselors. There are people who think they got, listen, you need to find counselors who understand the will of God, who understand the leading of God's word. And usually it's people that God has already used to speak into your life. Number four, God will use your own personality. See, God will lead you in paths of righteousness and lead you and guide you in your life, but he'll use your own, own personality to lead you into what his will for your life is and what he has for you. You know, the uniqueness of how God's created you and made you is, is what God will use in order to make you useful in the kingdom of God. I remember years ago, after we had left our home church and gone and pastored a number of years, I had returned home for a weekend of visiting family and back to my church. And uh, Pastor Cletty Keith asked me to speak at our church and asked me to speak on a Friday night. And we had just returned uh, from, you know, we were in ministry. We'd been away for a while and we returned. And he said, hey, would you just take a Friday night and share? It's one of the first times we, I ever preached there. And I was excited but nervous at the same time and very nervous because I wanted to impress my pastor Yet I wanted to give a good word, and I wanted to say what God wanted me to say. And, and, uh, and you know, as we were sitting there, I'll never forget the words that Cleddy said to me right before I got up to preach. And, and he said this. He said this to me. He said, you just be good old wonderful you. And you know what? That freed me. Sometimes you don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to... You don't have to be somebody else to get someplace that God's not intended you to be. You just be you. The uniqueness of who you are is how God will lead you. And if you will pray and hear God's voice, God will lead you. In other words, tonight as we get ready to pray, I want you to understand something. When I pray to God and ask for direction, you know what? When God speaks to me, you know there are, there are certain people when you hear their voice, you think they have the voice of God. And uh, I always said, if God had a voice, it'd be Adrian Rogers. I always said, if God had a voice, it would be Charles Stanley. I always said, if God had a voice, it would be Billy Graham. I always said, if God had a voice, it would be somebody, you know, it, it, it would be somebody that, would, that has that voice. And you say, man, that must be how God sounds like. But here's what I've learned about the guidance of God and being led by God. 
I've learned the guidance of God when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you, and he speaks to the depth and the core of who you are, when he speaks to you in his word, when he leads you and guides you out of the uniqueness of who you are, when God uses your own personality. You know when God speaks to me, you know how I know it's God? Because God speaks to me in my own voice. In the depths of my heart, I hear my own voice when God speaks to me. I don't hear the voice of Adrian Rogers. I don't hear the voice of Charles Stanley. I don't hear the voice of, of preachers or people that you think, well, if God, if, if, if God could talk, that's who he would sound like. And, uh, but I'm here to tell you when God speaks, he speaks into the voice of the uniqueness of how he made you. That's one of the reasons I know it's God, because God speaks to me in the depth of my heart in my own voice. And so we have to understand that, that in being leading by God, we have to learn to wait on God. We have to learn that, that waiting on God, we can't mistake, you know, we can't make decisions based on the euphoria of our feelings. You know, you can't make decisions on, in your life on feelings. You know why? Because feelings are really attached to your emotions. And feelings are really attached to your emotions. And a lot of times, because feelings are so attached to the flesh, that, that what happens is we, we respond out of euphoria instead of understanding the will of God. Psalms 37, 23, and 24, read it this week. It says that the Lord orders our step. In other words, God gives us our, our walkways. God prepares our leading and our guiding. And it says he leads us not to the point of destruction, but the Lord upholds him with his hand. In other words, God leads us, and when he leads us, he upholds us with his hand. You know, it's my desire tonight that you learn how to be led by the guidance of God in your life. It's one of the things that, as a Christian, we have to learn that Verse 2, him leading us beside still waters has to do with our submission. He maketh me to lie down in green passage. You'll never get to the guidance of God until first you learn to surrender your will because it's about the will. God will never lead your physical life until first you've, you've yielded the inside. You First you've yielded your personal will to him. You'll never get to the leading and the guidance of God. But if, you'll lead, if you will yield your will to him, say, God, guide me, lead me. You can pick up on the guidance of God. Don't let things keep you from being led by God. Don't let the, your lack in your life that you feel like God can't provide what you need. Don't feel like you can't be led because of this thing or that thing in your life. Don't allow the, the, don't allow the fact that you don't let God correct you or don't allow God to discipline you to keep you from being led. I know this is a simple message tonight. It's really practical. It's really a practical message, but it's the simplicity of it. Because we, we are so, we are so, I've never seen a time when the church is really in a place where we don't understand the leading and guidance of God. We sometimes hear the voice of God that tells us what a what call is or what we should be or, or how he leads us into our purpose. When you get there, what do you do when you find the purpose of God? When you get there, you've got to ask God, what do I do now that I'm here? 
What do I do now that I've been given this Sunday school class to teach? Or now what do I do once I give, have this life group that I've got to teach and lead? What do I do once God has put me in charge of youth or God has put me in children's church or God has put me as a leader over the church or God has put me in the area of teaching or God has called me to pastor? What do I do once I get there? I've submitted and I say, God, I want everything. But what do you do? How do you have to learn to pick up on the guidance of God? He will lead you. And guide you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so God will lead you. I want to pray with you tonight. I want to pray for God's guidance in your life. Thank you for joining us tonight. You know, I'm so excited about Sunday morning and seeing you, you being with us this morning. But many of you are probably listening and you are struggling with the purpose of God, aimlessness in your life. I've thought about that Chinese student that... that uh, uh, Joe Stoll talked about when he talked about the fact that he was met that Chinese student and that hopelessness that was in him. But he had to learn how to pick up on the guidance of God for his life. And when he gave his life to Jesus, God began to show him. And you and I, what a, a tragedy to have been involved in. And so, but you know what? We're, we're experiencing something now in our nation that's very difficult. It's brought people into a place of worry and fear. It's brought people into a place of uncertainty, of knowing what the future holds. I'll tell you what the future holds. The future holds the fact that Jesus holds us. That's what the future is. The future is, we don't know what the future is, but we know the one who does. And so we're led and guided by him. Our security is not in knowing the future. Our security is knowing him who knows the future. And so tonight, I hope you're willing to be led and guided in your life. Father, I just pray that those that are listening tonight will yield to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in their life. Some of them have struggled and they've not picked up on the leading and the guidance of God in their life. And it's because they have, they've removed everything that has required righteousness in their life. Sometimes God has put his finger on an area of their life and they've been unwilling to yield it and so because of that, the guidance of God becomes stalled. Some don't pick up on the guidance of God because, God, they don't feel like they feel like they need more than what you've provided. The truth is, God, you take us and your goodness becomes an example. You lift us up as an example of your goodness. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You, have, you love to abundantly Give to us and provide for our lives. You know those paths. As sheep, we have to be willing to be led into those paths of righteousness. But when we go our own way, we end up on a road that leads to the predator, the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy our life. So there's some that are seeking you for their will. Maybe they're seeking you for a job or seeking you for the next step in their life. Maybe there's a businessman that's listening and he needs direction. And he needs direction in what to do, whether to let employees go or to hire more, a business plan. I pray, pray right now that you will provide. There are those that are elderly right now that are worried about their 401ks and worried about their money and worried about provision and worried about being taken care of and worried about being uh, led. God, you are leading them right now. There are young people that are trying to find purpose and make sense of what is going on in this world right now. There are graduates who have not graduated from high school and college, and the stress of thinking, what kind of world am I stepping into? 
I've lost every sense of security that I had. I can't even celebrate the fact that I've graduated from high school and there's a sense of helplessness there. And it can lead to aimlessness if we don't have our trust in God. And so I just ask that you provide right now, that you minister, that you touch, that God, that you will, you will just overshadow what the enemy is trying to do. And I pray that you'll lead and guide. I pray their trust will be in you. So Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a great shepherd cares for the people and cares for the flock. God, you are a provider. And we thank you that you provide. We pray this prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.